Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. morning and welcome to Porter Hills Q2 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. On this morning's call, we have Paul Hill, President and CEO, and David Cordens, Intern Chief Financial Officer. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following management's presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session, during which analysts are invited to ask questions. To ask a question, press star 1 on your touchtone phone to register. Should you require any assistance during the call, press star 0. Earlier this morning, Quarter Hill issued a news release announcing its financial results for the three- and six-month periods ended June 30, 2020. This news release, along with companies' MDNA and financial statements, will be available on Quarter Hill's website and will be filed on SADAR. Certain matters discussed during today's conference call or answers that may be given to questions could constitute forward-looking statements. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated. Risk factors that could affect results are detailed in the company's annual information form and other public filings that are made available on SADAR. During this conference call, Quarter Hill will refer to adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA does not have any standardized meaning prescribed by IFRS. Adjusted EBITDA is defined in the company's quarterly and annual filings that are made available on SADAR. Please note that all financial information provided is in Canadian dollars unless otherwise specified. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Hill. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us on today's call. It's a pleasure to speak with you. It's an important time here at Quarter Hill, and I'm very excited to be leading the team. I'll start off with a look at recent business activity, followed by an update to our strategy. After that, Dave will take a more detailed look at some of the key numbers for the quarter, and we'll open it up for questions. Please note that during my strategy discussion, I'll refer to slides which will be available on the webcast. Q2 saw lots of activity at Quarter Hill. We announced the sale of Vizia, the appointment of Dr. Michelle Fatouche to the board, and an SIB to purchase up to 20 million Quarter Hill shares. We also announced final judgment in our trial versus Apple, a new CEO at IRD, and the completion of the SIB. Today, Wyland announced a license agreement with Kingston Technology, and we launched a new NCIB. Since joining, I've spent my time getting to know the IRD and YLAM businesses. I've met the equity analysts and many shareholders and have mapped out our growth strategy. Before getting into these items, a few words on Q2. Consolidated revenue was 16.8 million and adjusted EBITDA was negative 2 million. We ended the quarter with cash and equivalents of 143.1 million. Results reflect steady performance at IRD as well as variability inherent in the business model at YLAM. As most of you know, YLAM performance over a longer time frame is a more accurate gauge of its potential 
compared to looking at the business on a quarterly basis. While Wyland had negative adjusted EBITDA in Q2, it had positive adjusted EBITDA in five of the last seven quarters. Looking at the business units, I'll start with IRD. Financial and operational performance at IRD remains healthy and its outlook is promising. COVID-19 has had an impact on our international business, but overall IRD's order book is strong. In the US, IRD has been deemed an essential service and the business continues to enjoy strength there. IRD is helping cash-strapped governments drive efficiencies and improve revenue collection, which is a value proposition that resonates, even in this pandemic. On June 1st, we announced Rishmel Hortra will be taking over as CEO of IRD, replacing Randy Hansen in a planned succession. Rish has deep knowledge of the ITS industry, and he has led many of the key functions at IRD over the years. He is the perfect choice to lead IRD right now. I want to thank Randy for his many years of service and wish him the very best in his retirement. Looking forward, COVID-19 is likely to have some impact in terms of delays in the timing of orders or delivery of materials, but overall the outlook for IRD remains positive. Its pipeline is robust and order intake was higher in Q2 than in Q1, which bodes well for the periods ahead. With YLAN, the impact of Q2 of COVID-19 was primarily due to closures of courts in the U.S., as well as an inability to hold face-to-face meetings to conclude agreements. Some deals may be delayed, as was the case in Q2, but they are not lost opportunities. They remain in our plan for completion. Our recent deal with Kingston Technology is an example of a planned Q2 deal that slipped into Q3. YLAN is relying on video conferencing to move deals forward until travel restrictions are lifted. Many courthouses remain closed in the U.S. However, some cases are now moving forward by holding hearings via video conference or with in-person hearings with additional safety measures. Should this trend continue, it could bode well for the remainder of the year. During Q2, YLAN received favorable update in its litigation with Apple. Following a jury jury verdict on January 24th of 85.23 million U.S., the court ruled on June 16th on all post-trial motions and entered final judgment in favor of YLAN. The judgment maintained the full jury verdict and denied Apple's motions for retrial or lowering the damages award. The court also awarded YLAN an additional amount of 23.75 million U.S. in prejudgment interest bringing the total to 108.98 million U.S. YLAN is entitled to interest from June 16, 2020 until the date the final judgment is satisfied. As expected, Apple filed its appeal on July 15th, and YLAN filed a cross-appeal on July 28th. YLAN will work with its legal counsel to optimize its arguments for the appeal process. Details of both Apple's appeal and YLAN's cross-appeal will be revealed sometime in the fall when initial briefs are presented. As discussed in our Q1 call, Vizia was sold to Prometheus Group for just under $50 million. Vizia is a promising young company. However, this transaction was easy to get behind. It crystallized a significant return for our shareholders and further strengthened our balance sheet. Our strong cash balance increases the number of options available to us to drive long-term growth of the business. 
I'll now take a look at some other corporate developments. I'm currently leading the search for a full-time CFO, and this is progressing very well. We have narrowed the candidate field, and we expect to have an announcement on this in Q3. Upon the completion of the SIB in July, we deployed approximately $5.8 million to purchase approximately 2.7 million common shares. While we did not use the entire 20 million allocated to the SIB, those unused funds remain on our balance sheet and can now be used for other purposes. We have expressed our intent to pursue other opportunities to return capital to shareholders. And accordingly, we announced today a new NCIB to purchase up to 11.3 million shares or 10% of our public float. I'd now like to take a few minutes to discuss why I'm so excited to be part of Quarter Hill and what our strategy will look like going forward. As many of you know, I've been in the tech industry my entire career, which spans something like 30 years. I've had leadership roles in just about every area of an organization. And I've spent the past two decades running businesses, acquiring and selling companies, and working at the board level. This background is important in understanding why I think I'm well-suited for this job and why it appealed to me so much. At Quarter Hill, I saw an opportunity to draw on my skills and experience, mentoring CEOs, acquiring, integrating, and growing businesses. Rounding out the appeal, Quarter Hill provides a public company platform and a strong balance sheet to support a solid business plan. While not a radical departure from our strategy of a few years ago, our go-forward strategy has a sharper focus. The strategy relies on organic growth from Wyland and IRD, as well as inorganic growth through acquisitions. The M&A program will focus on the IRD business and the market it operates in called ITS. Slide two of the handouts provides a high-level summary of our strategy and the business. In it, we position Quarter Hill as a growth-oriented company in the IP and ITS industries, pursuing an acquisition strategy that capitalizes capitalizes on attractive trends in ITS and its adjacent markets. So why focus on the ITS space? There are several reasons outlined in slide three. ITS has attractive market dynamics. Governments are feeling the pain of shrinking revenues and are under pressure to expand services and enhance safety. ITS products such as Way and Motion Solutions at IRD help drive efficiencies, improve safety, and capture revenue opportunities. Valuations in ITS are much more reasonable than enterprise software. Our ability to get deals done at good valuations improves by focusing on ITS. IRD's positive reputation in the ITS space helps us differentiate as an acquirer during a competitive bidding process. We will be viewed as a safe home for many of the companies we are targeting. IRD serves as a well-run platform that acquisitions can be integrated into and synergies can be, can be captured as a result. And as the ITS industry becomes more connected, there's an opportunity to leverage Wyland's deep expertise in 5G. 5G will be a critical enabling technology for ITS in the future. So how will we proceed along this path? Slide four provides a strategy roadmap. The ITS industry includes road, rail, aviation, and maritime systems. It's a very large market of over 50 billion per year. Our initial focus is on road systems, IRD's market, 
and it is comprised of five sub-segments. CVO stands for Commercial Vehicle Operations. ATMS stands for Advanced Traffic Management Systems. ATIS for Advanced Traveler Information Systems. APTS for Advanced Public Transportation Systems. And finally, there is pricing systems, which would include things like tolling technologies. The initial phase of our strategy will focus on acquisitions in these five segments, four of which IRD already operates in. We will initially focus on tuck-in acquisitions that will help grow the IRD business and build a track record for successful integrations. In the second phase, you will see us seek out larger ITS opportunities. They could be standalone businesses reporting to Quarter Hill, or they could be plugged into IRD. These could be in the road segment or in other ITS segments such as rail. Longer term, you'll see us looking at adjacencies to ITS, which might include investments in smart cities or so-called smart spaces. This is a natural evolution of the business. They are tech-enabled markets, very similar to ITS. Across the bottom of the slide, you'll see enabling technologies. These technologies make connected ITS possible. 5G is one of the most important enabling technologies and is a standard where YLAN has deep expertise and can play an important role. So we plan to follow a phased approach that begins with tuck-in acquisitions, then evolves to larger acquisitions in ITS, and finally into adjacent tech-enabled markets, such as smart cities and smart spaces over time. Slide five illustrates the global opportunity for our near-term focus. ITS road systems is significant today at 25 billion US and is growing at a healthy CAGR of about 6%. The market opportunity refers only to the road segment, which is about 50% of the ITS market. So there's lots of runway for future growth. Finally, slide six speaks to the future trends in ITS. As governments grapple with reductions in capital budgets, an evolving trend is for them to shift to DAS or SaaS models. That's data as a service or software as a service. Several opportunities exist to build and acquire technologies which include AI and machine learning. We will see increased connectivity driven largely by 5G between vehicles, pedestrians, devices, and infrastructure. And cyber attacks create risk for all connected technologies. There will be several investment opportunities to bolster security in ITS. In closing, we are focusing our M&A strategy on ITS with its attractive growth dynamics, reliable revenue streams, reasonable valuations, and existing market credibility with IRD. Longer term, we will look to invest in adjacent markets, building from a bigger base and by leveraging YLAN expertise in some of the core enabling technologies, such as 5G. Execution of this strategy will make ITS more material to our financial results over time, helping to generate more predictable revenue streams and ultimately attractive shareholder returns. With that, I'll turn it over to Dave to look at the Q2 numbers. Thanks, Paul. Good morning, everyone. As I did on the last call, just a reminder that our financial results are now reported in, reported in accordance with IFRS standards and that we now report in Canadian dollars. Both the 2020 and 2019 results reflect this. 
The Q2 was the sale of Bizia. Financial statements for the three and six months period ended June 30th, 2020, and for the respective comparison periods in 2019, have been prepared to reflect continuing operations and therefore exclude results during those periods from Bizia. Q2 and year-to-date operating results from Bizia for 2019 and 2020 are reported as net income or loss from discontinued operations in accordance with IFRS 5 standards. I'll start off the quarterly review with a look at revenue in more detail. For the quarter and year-to-date period, revenue was down due to the variability in the patent license model at Wyland. Virtually all of Wyland's licenses are one-time in nature, and accordingly, significant fluctuations in revenue, gross margin, and adjusted EBITDA will result when the volume or dollar value of license changes from one period to the next. This was the case in Q2, as there was a greater volume and value of agreements closed in Q2 of the prior year. Year-to-date Wyland revenue is $10.5 million. IRD's revenue was down more modestly and mainly attributable to COVID-19 issues. Recurring revenue was $5.6 million in Q2, which is mostly generated by IRD. So far in 2020, IRD has maintained a 100% renewal rate on all term maintenance contracts. The reason for the year-over-year difference is a timing factor reflecting when the underlying work from those contracts is completed. Gross margin was 25% in Q2, down from 46% last year, which was the result of the factors impacting revenue just discussed. Gross margin at IRD was up at 42% compared to 36% in Q2 last year. This year, IRD cost of sales benefited by approximately $600,000, resulting from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program, or Q's program, related to COVID-19. Excluding that, IRD margins were still strong at 38%. Wyland cost of sales also had a $250,000 benefit from the Q's program. Excluding special charges from 2020 and 2019, operating expenses declined by $2.1 million in Q2 and by $3.6 million for the six-month period this year, compared to the same periods last year. In addition to ongoing efforts to manage costs closely, IRD generated a Q benefit of approximately $800,000 in Q2, which is reflected in these operating expenses. Adjusted EBITDA on a consolidated basis for Q2 is a negative $2.0 million. Down from last year, due primarily to lower revenue at Wyland. So as Paul mentioned earlier, when looked at with a broader lens, Wyland has had positive adjusted EBITDA in five of the past seven quarters, and it has slightly positive adjusted EBITDA for the year-to-date period. Regarding busy results for Q2 2020, netting from discontinued operations was $14.5 million, which included a $17.7 million pre-tax gain on the sale of the company. Cash used in the continuing operations in Q2 was $4.3 million. Cash and cash equivalents and short-term investments at quarter end were up significantly from year end and from the end of Q1, due primarily to the sale of Dizzy in Q2. Cash and cash equivalents decreased to $143.1 million at June 30th, 2020, up from $87.9 million at 2019 year end. Of note, purchases made under the SIB will be reflected in our Q3 financial statements. Overall, our balance sheet provides a solid foundation from which we can pursue our growth strategy, and it gives us great optionality as we pursue plans to grow organically and through acquisition. And finally, in Q2, we declared dividends of $1.5 million paid early in July, and this morning in our earnings release, 
we announce details of our next dividend payment. The Board of Directors has declared an eligible dividend of 1.25 cents per share payable on October 9, 2020 for shareholders of record on September 11, 2020. This concludes my review of the financial results and I'll now turn the call back to the operator for questions. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. And there is a question from the line of Doug Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Good morning and uh, and welcome to the call, uh, Paul. Um, the following, uh, you know, questions have been asked of a couple of different uh, iterations of management teams over the years. Uh, for those of us who followed the Quarter Hill and Wyland stories, but I'm going to still ask them of you again, and, and just to get your perspective. Um, first, I mean, you've detailed a bit of a shift in direction of where you're going to be focusing your M&A efforts. Um, I just want to understand. I mean, are you starting? You know, from a from a standing start, did IRD or Quarter Hill have a, a stable of potential targets that they were already speaking to? And I guess I'd ask how, you know, what sort of timetable can we expect for you to be able to start delivering on this new strategy? Yeah, thanks, Doug. Good question. Um, Yes, the pipe, the M&A pipeline is, is very strong. Uh, I've inherited a, a healthy pipeline, um, and it and it it had already very much of an ITS focus to it. Um, also working quite closely with Rish, the CEO of IRD, along with our corp dev team, um, as a sort of ear to the ground. Uh, Rish has very very strong relationships in the industry. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident we can execute in relatively short order. Um, the challenge, obviously, these days with M with M and A is is around COVID. You know, DD is a little bit more challenging. We can't really travel, uh, especially for international acquisitions. But um, yeah, I'm I'm quite optimistic about getting some deals done in a reasonably short time frame, meaning the next couple of quarters. Uh, you talked about five sub-segments within the ITS uh, sandbox that you, you, you plan on playing in in the, in the near term. Um, are any of them in particular more attractive or less and for what reasons? Well, we're, we're very strong in commercial vehicle operations. That's where IRD's uh, biggest strengths lie and in particular in enforcement technology. So they have uh, weigh in motion technology. So um, that's an area that we would continue to uh, want to bolster. I'm, I'm very interested in pricing systems, uh, tolling in particular, and we have capability in tolling through our ICOMS group and through IRD as well, but looking for other assets in tolling. Um, as governments load up with debt, they're going to be looking for source, new sources of revenue, and tolling is a very logical area for that. And um, so those, those are probably the two most attractive areas within that. I'm also interested in even branching out beyond roads into things like rail. There's a lot of technology in rail right now that we think are natural adjacencies to what we already have. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the potential for connectivity between the, the two, the YLAN uh, business and the ITS industry, yeah. particularly around 5G. 
But I mean, I'll ask you for your perspective on longer term, whether you think, you know, I know it's a sensitive question, whether YLAN um, is a is a critical part of, you know, the future of Quarter Hill uh, in your perspective, or if there, you could monetize that asset in some way, whether you'd consider parting with it. No, no, it is absolutely critical to our strategy. I mean, it, to, at, at, um, at a fundamental level, it's kind of our limited partner in a sense that it's providing uh, uh, most of the cash to fund the M&A strategy. And so um, this is a strategy I'm kind of used to where you have a very strong cash generation business that's funding uh, an M&A strategy and an organic growth strategy. We had that at Cognos, if you remember back in the days at Cognos, we had the, you know, the, the original very profitable um, application development tools business that really funded the growth of the business intelligence group, which became over time a larger part of the business. So it's, it's the same basic philosophy here. But I am also looking for opportunities to leverage the expertise of YLAN because I, we, we absolutely see uh, th this connected ITS as a big opportunity, and that, that extends into smart cities and some of these other areas. And 5G is really critical to that. Wireless in general is critical to that. Uh, so that's, that's one uh, sort of key area of expertise. And as we acquire these, these companies, they will have their own intellectual property that could also be monetized. So. No, they're they're playing a critical role in the strategy. Okay, uh, one more question for me. I mean, the SIB was put in prior to your appointment, if uh, my memory serves correctly, and um, you know didn't get the uptake that uh, you know it potentially could have, and perhaps that's a good thing. Um, uh, can I get your perspective on you know uh, capital return to shareholders? Uh, you know, in the debate between, you know, SIB, NCIB, dividends, M&A, uh, any update on your perspective and the, and the perspective of the company there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think the undersubscription of the SIB was, was generally a vote of confidence. Um, you know, we had heard from some shareholders that uh, they were looking for an opportunity. Um, and we, we put the SIB out and it was, you know, wildly undersubscribed, I would say. And um, I think that was a function of we've had a, a lot of news and I think people are starting to understand the strategy and, and, and are interested in a long-term hold. So that, I think, was generally a vote of confidence. Um, yeah, I think I think our general philosophy is to put most of our capital work for M&A. We we see much more growth opportunity and 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 um, a more positive effect on share price over time by investing through M&A. Um, we don't believe we're going to uh, do anything with the dividend to change the dividend at this point. Um, we do see. Uh, we do believe there might be opportunities to uh, consolidate the shares, right, with the NCIB um, if it continues to trade at what we consider to be um, uh, a lower value. Um, so, so I think that's going to be what you're going to see is much more of a focus on M&A as our priority. Okay, and then I mean, if as M&A is the priority, maybe uh, I think it'd be helpful if you shared with us, you know, what financial metrics you focus on. When you look to, you know, when you're looking for a successful uh, closing on an M&A uh, target. 
Well, the kinds of targets we're looking for are profitable growth companies with 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 strong management teams. Um, we we're not exclusively uh, going to be a financial buyer, although we'll have a lot of financial discipline. We will be looking for uh, strategic opportunities to get to market faster, to get to geographies faster. We will be looking for synergies, especially with the tuck-ins with the IRD business. In terms of pricing, um, you know, kind of in that single-digit EBITDA multiple range is kind of the range we'd be looking at with IRR paybacks in the kind of mid-teens um, is, is kind of what we're thinking. Um, but it'll be case by case. I mean, some will be a bit more strategic and some will be a bit more financial. Uh, but that, that should give you a sense for where we're looking. That's very helpful. Uh, thank you. I'll pass along. Your next question comes from the line of Todd Copeland with CIBC. Yeah, good morning, everyone. I uh, had a follow-up on uh, capital allocation. Uh, roughly how much uh, cash would you require to, to uh, run the remaining businesses? I think it's uh, the models we're working with internally are in the range of $50 million. 50 to 70, uh, 70 being more on the conservative side, but we think we need in the range of 50 million. Um, you want to make sure that you have a strong balance sheet uh, to be able to, to play a longer game, especially on some of the, the bigger litigations that we are involved in. So we think 50 million range is about the right number. Okay. Um, and then just as I think about op cost structure, and uh, and run rate revenue if uh, if Wyland closings are going to get stretched out because of COVID is this quarter both for IRD and the cost structure uh, represented representative until some of some of those uh, deferrals start to loosen up. Well, it's hard to comment on Wyland because of the um, the situation with the U.S. courts, and that could change very quickly. We're even, as I said in my uh, opening remarks, we're we're already seeing some courts opening and some ways to to get through that process. So it's it's better now already than it was even you know two months ago. Um, but it, it's a business, as you know, that is, is a bit harder to, to predict. I think, yes, on the IRD side, um, as I said earlier, the order book is very strong. Um, so I think uh, I'm feeling quite quite good about that business. And I think what, what you saw this quarter is a little bit of a, of a COVID effect, but, but not much. Um, we had a couple of examples where we had some challenges getting uh, product shipped, um, and there was some effect from that, you know, getting crews onto sites. But again, that's a little better now than it was even a few weeks ago. Okay. I mean, I think, Paul, just to add to that, I mean, I think part of Todd's question in terms of the burn rates and the run rates, I mean, it, it, it's a fairly predictable and stable sort of you know, run rate on SGNA and, and R&D spend right now. There's obviously been some benefit to the Q's program in, in the quarter. Um, but offsetting that is we've got some sort of one-time sort of technology initiatives underway that will, you know, be offsetting that. So I think you can call this a fairly good proxy for sort of current, you know, burn rates, if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. Great. Thanks for that color. 
And then my last question is just on Apple in terms of timeline and key milestones. Uh, how should we? What we should? What should we, we? What should we be watching for over the next quarter or two? Well, you saw there's uh, they appealed and we appealed. Um, what happens is it it um, briefs are filed in the fall, and reply briefs um, are follow that. Uh, we think if it gets to a court date, that would be likely in the spring of 2021. All of these, are, quite frankly, Todd, are subject to, you know, COVID effect, right? But I guess our best guess is spring of 2021 is, is sort of the timing of a court date. The actual trial date would be more like fall. And so if you play all that out, it, it, to me, it looks to be sort of an eventual outcome somewhere in that late 2021, early 2022, somewhere in that range. Okay. And have we passed? Other than the the court date, um, have we? I guess the replies in the fall. So once we get pa past that, then it's either court or settlement would be the the. the yeah, I mean, settle, settlement can happen at any time, of course. Um, but yes, right. Yeah, there's really no detail to speak of in the appeals right now. That the detail actually is revealed in the briefs that are filed in the fall of this year. Okay. That's great. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Again, in order to ask a question, press star and the number one or your telephone keypad. That's star one to ask a question. Your next question comes from the line of Gavin Fairweather with Cormart. Hey there. Good morning. Morning. Just in terms of the um, ITS segment, you, you know, you kind of talked about the five different roads sub-segments, you know, some are more related than others. So I guess I'm just curious, in the market, do you typically see that a government body will have five different point solutions, or are you seeing kind of bundled opportunities and bundled RFPs coming to market? Sorry, bundled, bundled RFPs across the five segments? Yeah, across the five different kind of sub-segments within roads. No, they're, they're, they tend to be they tend to be clustered within the segments, right? So, so I think I think as as you look at the types of companies we would be looking at for M and A, if you look at IRD, its its primary focus is in this CVO area, the commercial vehicle operations area. We do some adjacent work in tolling, for example, which is is the pricing segment, but there are fairly large. Um, uh, companies that focus almost entirely on tolling and they do everything re required in the tolling vertical. So typically when you see a large RFP coming out, it would be centered around CVO or tolling, not both. And so, um, you know, as you sort of play this strategy forward, you can imagine a situation where we might have a number of sister companies that are kind of aligned loosely toward these verticals as opposed to one big sort of ITS business so that they have a degree of focus uh, on these verticals. Got it. That makes sense. Um, and then just on, on the Wyland side, I mean, you talked about the courts being closed, and I understand that's a fluid situation, but curious if that's yeah. also kind of impacted your ability uh, to negotiate license deals kind of outside the courts. Yeah, it's, you know what, it, the honest answer is it can slow it down. I mean, when you're in these negotiations, um, 
uh, Kings, the Kingston deal we announced, for example, was an, it was a, was a deal that we were, you know, before COVID, very confident to close in Q2, and it was for this very reason, right? It was difficult to get a hold of people. A lot of these negotiations are done in person, typically, and so um, it takes a bit longer when you're doing everything by video conference. Sometimes um, it, it can be challenging, right, to move things along more quickly. So uh, that, that is definitely a factor. It's not just the courts. It's when we're negotiating a settlement, um, those, those things can be a bit slower. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you. As we have no further questions at this time, this concludes Porter Hills Q2 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. You may now disconnect. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.